What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, I'm just enjoying life right now, man. I was just in Ann Arbor over the weekend. I saw my boy Hunter Dickinson hit a <laughs> miracle three-point shot to save Michigan's season, at least for now. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, fantasy baseball is in full full speed ahead. I've been making a couple trades in my keeper league, so we got a lot Ooh. to talk about. And then we're going to uh, preview some uh, shortstops today. Yeah, man. Let's. Uh, well, tell me about the trades. Let's get into the trades. I'd love to hear about them. Tell you what I think. <laughs> yeah. So this is a keeper league, but um, you know, usually with our show, we uh, we. Most of our content is geared towards redraft, um, because that's, of course, what most people do. Then there's the dynasty folks out there. But Keeper is its own beast. You know, it's uh, part part redraft and part dynasty. Um, Because when you keep six guys, it does change that strategy quite a bit from dynasty rankings, as far as I'm concerned. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of guys that you're very patient with in dynasty that you you just aren't going to be in in a Keeper league. Because if they're not worth one of being one of your top six guys and there's no draft pick compensation factor you're just not going to keep a guy that's going to take two or three years uh to pan out you know so yeah anyway i uh in this league we keep six and if we have more than six guys that are worth keeping we can do two for one deals three for one deals and try to upgrade our top six so i've made two deals so far um the first one was i traded jose altuve and JT Realmuto to get mm. Mookie Betts, who has second base eligibility because this is a Yahoo league. So yeah. uh, I feel pretty good about that. Got three years younger from Altuve to Betts and also better. <laughs> yeah. So And I wasn't going to have room for Realmuto anyway. So what do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I love that. I mean, we, we've obviously already done catcher. We've done second base. Realmuto's at the top of the list. But, you know, he's, for us, like, like kind of we talked about last year, it's like we're not really – considering using a high draft pick on that anyway but Mookie Betts is a nice upgrade like you said you're getting younger Um, we were just talking a bit about the Gavin Lux injury that he's out for the year so you know Betts hopefully I mean he should see his you know at least five games if not a lot more at second base this year so that's that's nice for him to be maybe your second baseman moving forward and yeah I mean he's like that five we talked about in the second base episode but he's more of a five category player where I could see Altuve's you know stolen bases falling off and just see the decline probably sooner for Altuve. Yeah, he's three years older than Betts. I mean, you know, honestly, like, I feel like Betts is kind of a cheat code in Yahoo with that second base eligibility. It's, yeah, um, you know, most rankings you'll see of Mookie Betts are probably not factoring in that he can play second, but I think that's worth moving him up a couple spots at least and in, in, even in a redraft format. And, you know, He's already a borderline first round pick, outside just if he's an outfielder. So, um, feel feel real good about that. Never want to see injuries. Like I feel bad for Gavin Lux, but yeah, I mean Dave Roberts has even talked about um, Mookie Betts being, uh, you know, finishing out his career at second base. So uh, he clearly sees second base in his future. Um, I think he was going to get sprinkled in some there this season anyway, but now it's a virtual certainty that he's going to play uh, more than five games at second maybe maybe 20 games something like that so that's uh, good news feel good about that yeah and then the, the other, other deal um was i had i still had i won this league last year so i just had a ton of keepers and <laughs> more room uh than i knew what to do with so you know you know i love Vinny pasquantino 
I, I mean, you're going to be shocked, I guess. Or you're not because I already told you. But <laughs> <laughs> I traded Vinny Pasquantino. I traded Zach Allen and Pasquantino for Corbin Burns. Uh, I just, you know, Burns is uh, he's dominant and yeah. he's only 28. Um, so I feel like he could have a nice run here. I mean, we're seeing pitchers actually last longer than hitters these days. So uh, he could have a good 10-year run here. Um, and I just feel like, uh, you know, my other options, Gallon, uh, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, just felt like there was a little more question marks with those guys than there are with Burns. Um, with Verlander and Scherzer, it's really just about health. With Gallon, it's just, is he quite as good as he was last year? So, um, you know, Pasquantino, I just wasn't going to have room to keep him in my top six. So as much as I love him, uh, I'm just going to have to look for other options at first base, and I, I'm okay with that. Well, it sounds like that both of these are probably good trades for both teams. I mean, I'm guessing the other managers in these cases are going to keep both of those guys. So that's good. I think, you know, I do like that one too. You know, I always like doing two for ones where you can and sort of get the best player in the deal or even a three for two or whatever. And so in this case, it looks like that. I will say, you know, since it is a keeper league, we'll have to revisit it, you know, in a couple of years because you never know. Like Corbin Burns could deal with injuries or, you know, you just never know what will happen. And Zach Gallon is, you know, trending up. So, those two could come closer together, um, and it could just be that Burns and Gallon are both aces a year or two from now. So we'll see. But I, I definitely like it for for now and probably for the long term. Yeah, you just got to take your best guess in these situations, you know. And uh, yeah. obviously, I think it's pretty universally viewed that uh, Corbin Burns is a better keeper uh, than Zach Gallon right now. So uh, oh, yeah. Vinny Pasquantino, that's the one that kind of haunts me at night because I'm just like, <laughs> man, this guy, if he becomes as good as I think he can be, I mean, you could be talking about, uh, you know, a, a Jordan Alvarez type of profile, right. essentially. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. I, I, uh, I want him. You know, I, I want the trade to work out. I want both my trades to work out for the other team as well, but mm -hmm. only to a certain extent. You know, <laughs> I don't want I don't want <laughs> Vinny Pasquantino to be so good that I li live to regret the deal. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's good to trade. I always love trading. It can be tough. And uh, yeah, it is good when it works out for both managers. But yeah, hopefully it's not doesn't come down to that, and you're playing against them. I don't know. This is it's a roto league. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we'll we'll see how it works. It's it's not like you're gonna go like head to head against Vinny P <laughs> or something like that. No, but I, the deal was with my cousin, and we have a long standing rivalry. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, there you go. No, but um, yeah, no, I I I'm I, I'm pretty confident that Pasquantino is going to be good, but it's just a question of how good, you know. In this league, once once these guys get to be that elite young keeper, if they're like 25 or younger and already a first round fantasy pick, like they're, they're, there's no way you're acquiring them. There's nothing, you know, even if somebody has, um, say, uh, I don't know, Fernando Tatis Jr. and then their other five keepers are, are junk, they wouldn't trade him yeah. for, uh, you know, six good keepers who are in their late twenties, early thirties, <laughs> like they just wouldn't do it. So, yeah. uh, yeah, everybody worships at the, uh, the throne of the youth and, uh, you just kind of have to get the guys like Pasquantino right before they break out, or you just have to buy the, uh, 30 year old guys like bets who are, um, a little bit underrated, I think. Well, I'm interested to see where you have a guy like Tatis ranked. So maybe we get right into the short stops. Cause you know, when we, when we, uh, you know, we've been doing the other positions and we said, you know, the top six or so at a lot of these are, are, are you know, just very top heavy. But as I started going through the shortstops, man, I like I like probably 15 or so shortstops that are shortstop only. 
And, and that probably expands to like 20 or 22 when you talk about some of these guys who were second base, third base eligible as well. So like there's a ton of shortstops that I would love to, I would be fine having as my, uh, you know, starting shortstop in fantasy. And I, I broke these guys up into a lot of different tiers. So <laughs> I'm curious to see how you did yours and uh, who you have at the top and where you have a guy like Tatis and so on. So let's get into it. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting topic. Just, I, I mean, I agree with you, first of all. Like, there are, especially when you start wrapping in the, the Yahoo eligibility, uh, the mm-hmm. more loose eligibility, there's at least 20 guys <laughs> or close to it um, that I'd be quite comfortable with uh, starting at shortstop. And that does sort of raise the question of, you know, does that decrease the value of all of them a little bit just because – you know why are you gonna why are you gonna take Trey Turner number one overall? Yeah, uh, when there's so many other shortstops that you can get much later. You know we've talked about uh, the other positions um, on this show recently, and if uh, folks at home haven't heard those yet, uh, they should go back and listen to our catcher, first base, second base, third base previews. Uh, there was a common theme in all of those, which is that. There was about five or six guys we liked, and then there was kind of a steep drop-off, you know? So um, you only get, you know, two or three of these top-tier guys, and maybe uh, it would make more sense to to try to get one of the top five third basemen, one of the top five yeah. second basemen, one of the top five first basemen, uh, and then just take whichever shortstop falls to you. Yeah, and we haven't done outfielder yet, but as I'm starting to look at that, because we're going to do that later this week, I really want to get one of the top eight or ten outfielders too. So, like, I think in in my drafts, I'm gonna to try to get an outfielder and maybe a third baseman, um, maybe a first baseman, like you said. But I'm I'm likely just gonna wait on shortstop. Let this position come to me. Um, I would recommend other people do that too, just because as we talk through these guys, like I said, like there's tons of guys I like. Trey Turner is a round one pick, um, but like I'd I'd be fine with any of the next five guys on my list in round two, but. I'm not going to take any of them probably like more than likely, unless it's just like screaming value. I, I love to take value in drafts, but I probably am not going to draft any of my top six shortstops. Cause I'm just going to wait at the position. Yeah. I think it's maybe a, a few of them might be available in the third round. And then yeah, I, I could think about it, I guess, especially back into the third round in a 12 team league, but I'm, I, I'm inclined to agree. And I think Trey Turner is um, a lot of people think he's the number one overall player this year there's not really a obvious number one overall player um, right you know I think just looking at um, fantasy pros for ADP uh, Aaron Judge and Turner are basically tied for being the number one overall pick Jose Ramirez Ronald Acuna are also in the conversation uh, and then guys like Julio Rodriguez Juan Soto etc but uh, really it's there's no consensus number one guy um, but I, I think you know, this might make a case that maybe a guy like Jose Ramirez over Trey Turner could make sense. I think it does. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, I do have, if you want to get into the rankings, like I do have Trey Turner as my number one shortstop for sure. Cause he is that, you know, five, he's got that five tool, uh, you know, he's a five tool player. Uh, he's got the speed, the, the age that make him a top 10 favorite to lead the league in steals. I was looking at DraftKings earlier. He's, you know, I think he's like seventh or eighth on the list. So he's going to steal some bases. Um, he's coming over to to the Phillies from the Dodgers, still in a good lineup, maybe not quite as good as the Dodgers were last year, um, but still good lineup. And uh, yeah, like he's, it's one of those guys where if he fell to me at like six or seven, I would take him, but I just, 
I would take one of those outfielders. I would take Jose Ramirez for sure before I took him just because there's some other guys later who can give you steals and give you average and all sorts of things. Um, there's a lot of four-category guys, I would say, uh, later on in the drafts, maybe not five. So Tr- Turner is really a really special, nice player, but with the position, I, I think I would just wait. Yeah, and I, I have to think about it because I just don't know that there's – I mean, Jose Ramirez is not – likely to be quite as valuable as Trey Turner, like overall, you know, cause I don't think he's likely to hit for as high an average as Turner. Um, and I don't know, I, I guess he could steal as many bases. I don't think that's likely he'll probably hit more home runs. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the position eligibility is a big factor, I think. Um, so I, I think that's definitely a viable way to go. Um, I do have Turner in a tier of his own. Uh, it sounds like you do as well. Yep, I do. And then yeah, so uh, you know, I just think um, we've already seen. By the way, you know, some people get spooked a little bit when players go to a new team, but we saw him move from the Nationals to the Dodgers uh, in 2021, and he didn't miss a beat. Then last year, he was great again. So. Uh, I switching teams really didn't affect him and it probably mm-hmm. won't this time either. He's also going back to the NL East. So, you know, uh, he should have familiarity with a number of pitchers there. I know things do change over time, but uh, he's been in the national league this whole time. So a lot of overlap in the pitchers. So he won't have that adjustment of switching leagues where you have to, you know, ad- adapt to a whole new set of, of pitchers. Sure. Um, and then, I, then I have a tier of just two guys. Like I said, I'd, I'd really be fine with the next five. I could even lump five guys together, but I chose to I chose to separate these guys out a little bit. Um, since our third base podcast, I've been I don't know. It's it, and some of it has to do with the third base eligibility of Bobby Witt Jr. But I have him number two, and I have mm-hmm. Bo Bichette number three for me. So I have a I have Bobby Witt Jr. and Bo Bichette here, and I think the reason is the steals. Really, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. could really push for a thirty thirty season, whereas. You know, Bichette, you know, we've seen him have a really nice average. He has the speed to swipe like maybe 20 bases um, and he'll probably hit 30 home runs. But I don't I see like Bobby Witt Jr. Like we we haven't seen the ceiling. Um, Bichette might have a higher average. I think Witt, you know, could have a higher average. Likely will steal some more bases. So I just like the potential of Witt and the third base eligibility. So I have him too over Bichette. Interesting. Uh, I I actually do have all five of these guys in a tier, um, so we'll see if it's the same five you're talking about. I'm guessing it probably is, but okay. um, I have it as Bichette at two, Fernando Tatis Jr. at three, mm. Bobby Witt Jr. at four, Francisco Lindor at five, and Marcus Simeon at six. So is that the five guys you were thinking of? That is the five guys I'm thinking of, and I, I did put I did put Tatis next, sort of in a tier of his own, and and we can talk about him in a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> that is those are the five guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see the case for... I honestly, if I was going to make a tier break, I, I think I would put Bichette and Tatis in a tier and then Witt, Lindor, and Simeon beyond that. But um, I could see putting Witt in that top tier just cause, or in that second tier with Bichette and Tatis just because of the upside, I guess. But uh, where I ultimately landed is that I think all these players are kind of comparable in value. But um, I mean, I do think Bichette... Uh, is clearly the the number two guy behind Turner. Um, but I will point out that uh, his sprint speed declined in, mm-hmm. last year, and he was caught on eight of his 21 stolen base attempts. So he only had 13 steals last year. Uh, and I don't know that he's 
going. I mean, Steele should be up across the league with the with the rule changes, but I don't know if he's going to go back to being a twenty stolen base guy. So that's right. kind of my one hesitation with him. Uh, but the good news, of course, is that he's also really good in the other four categories. Like if I if I felt like he was likely to get twenty steals, I'd probably have him in the first tier with Turner. I just I don't see that happening. So that's why he's down here for me. Um, Wit, you, who you mentioned, my my hesitation there is just. Uh, I, do, I don't think the run and RBI totals are going to be that great in Kansas City. And um, I don't really see 30 homers in the in the cards. I mean, it's certainly possible, but um, that would take quite a leap in, in power this season. And I, I just can't really bake that into my expectation for him. So I kind of expect him to be similar to what he was last year, which was very good, but it wasn't mm-hmm. – um, you know, like guys like Lindor and Dansby Swanson were significantly more valuable than Witt last season. So, um, you know, uh, like those guys were uh, more valuable than Bo Bichette, actually. And, it, you know, it does sort of show the depth of the position, I guess. But um, Absolutely, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Lindor, like I said, I mean, last year he was the number two most valuable shortstop behind Turner in, in five by 5 leagues. And, um you know, I think we see this often with players that uh, sign this huge contract with a new team. They often um, underperform a little bit in the first year of that contract, like the weight of the expectations and all that, mm-hmm. especially when you go to New York. Uh, those expectations are going to be even bigger. But uh, second year of the contract, uh, you know, we he went back to being the, the Lindor we all know and love and uh, was really, really valuable in that um, in that role. So. Uh, I think he belongs here. And then we've talked about Simeon as well on the show. I mean, like, he's just been a top 20 hitter in Roto Categories Leagues uh, three straight years if you don't count the COVID year. So uh, all these guys, like, <laughs> I think they, they all have a good chance to finish as top 20 hitters uh, in, in Roto Categories Leagues. Yeah, and I think I think uh, Lindor actually is the value here. I'm looking at ADP. Uh, he's the last of the bunch right now on ADP. He and Simeon are getting drafted around, like, 30, 31 overall. And so, yeah, Lindor, like you said, number two shortstop last year. I feel like his numbers, if he can keep that average up in like the 280, 290 even range, he's basically the same player as Bo Bichette, like honestly. So, and you're getting him around or maybe even two rounds later. Uh, so, like, I think that's he's discount Bo Bichette, which is awesome. Um, you know, maybe in a keeper league or something like we were talking about earlier, then sure, Bo Bichette. But yeah, Lindor is really nice in redraft. I think he's a good value who I might grab in the third round of this bunch, but I'm not really looking to grab the other guys. Um, going back to Tatis though, I, the reason I put him sort of in a tier of his own is just like, just all the question marks around him. Like, I, I don't think we, I don't need to go through and talk about like, you know, he led the NL in 42 home runs, had 25 stolen bases. And, uh, what was that? 2021. And he, he missed a lot of time that year. Like I think a fifth of the season with a shoulder injury, but then last year he didn't, you know, see the field. He had the wrist injury. He had off-season shoulder surgery. He's, you know, got popped for PEDs, which he still has. 20, like, I don't even really care about, like, the 20-game suspension, like, going into this year. Like, that's not even a big deal because we we've seen him be, like, he could be the number one shortstop even without those uh, 20 games. But He can be the number one player. <laughs> yeah, number one player. Exactly. Like, but I just, I don't know, man. Like, the shoulder, like, I, I just, I've listened to some other people talk about, like, some of the injury concerns people who know a lot more about sort of like labrum surgery and things than I do. And it just worries me a little bit. Like at some point you got to take him, but there's a reason he's not going in the first round. And so I just kind of put him in a tier of his own after Bichette and Witt. And honestly, like it, it, 
if I'm faced with it, I might even take Lindor over him just after talking about it. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think I'm going to take Tatis in any drafts this year. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I do think some of it is format dependent. Um, he's a player. I, I look at it as like the fact that this position is so deep. It, it actually kind of helps his case. I, I think because uh, he's the ultimate upside player and, this is a position where if that guy doesn't pan out, like you're not going to be burned that badly. Like you're going to be able That's to true. find somebody decent as a replacement. So why not shoot for the guy? Like, I feel like Tatis, if if he was, to- if we knew that he was totally healthy and he was going to be totally healthy this whole season, um, like even with the missed 20 games, I'd probably, I'd probably put him in the top tier with Turner. Uh, I mean, he's just that oh, good. Yeah. And if I knew he was going to play a full season, uh, he would be in a tier of his own at the top. I mean, that's how good this guy is, at least in a roto categories league. In a points league, um, it's a little different because the steals just don't matter quite as much. But even mm-hmm. there, I mean, where's the weakness? You know, I mean, he's not yeah. necessarily a 300 hitter, but he's, he's a 280 hitter. You know, it's not not bad. Um so yeah, I mean he's just he's just a unique talent. He's 24 years old, um, so even with the lost season last year, I, you know I still think he's got a lot uh, of great seasons ahead of him, and um, he falls into this tier for me. But again, this tier is made up of a lot of different types of guys. Um, so uh, I feel like Bichette is kind of you know the, it's just the question of the steals with him with Tatis. It's the question of the health and the and the guaranteed missed games with wit it's the supporting cast and can he show power growth and then yeah Lindor and Simeon you mentioned Lindor as a value I would say Simeon is right there as a as a interesting value as well because he's uh at just one pick ahead of Lindor on average uh at pick 30 so uh Simeon and Lindor those are the guys that will be available in the third round uh where you might actually look at it and say you know what because if, if if your top targets at first and, and second uh, and third are, are off the board by that point, I, I don't have a problem with taking one of those guys in the third round. I think they're really solid values. And by the way, Simeon does also have second base eligibility, so that's yep. that's going to bump him up as well. Yeah, and I will just say too about Tatis, your point is very good about like how, yeah, you can take them and you can draft someone else later. And in fact, you will draft someone else later and you should. <laughs> so just reminding people about that 20 game, like if you're in a draft, draft another shortstop. We'll talk about some other guys you can get in the teens and maybe even in the 20s who you can draft late and just be your starting shortstop. Um, I even like like a Hassan Kim. We talked about him in, sec- in the third base episode. He's going to get second base eligibility too. So I, I like guys like him. Um, you know, he's on the same team and then you can kind of see how things play out. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about some guys like that later. Yep, yep. But there's just so many options. I mean, you could get a guy who, uh, in 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 most years, would be a top twelve shortstop, and you can get them at the fifteenth shortstop, yep. seventeenth shortstop. It's just that it's, you know, it reminds me of back in the day when there was like, you know, date myself a little here, but it was like Nomar Garcia Parra and A Rod and Tejada, and it was like the golden <laughs> yeah. age of short Jeter. It was like golden age of shortstops. Like I feel like we're in another golden age of shortstops. I mean, to me, like, I know we, we do a lot of football, too, obviously, and it reminds me of quarterbacks, you know, in redraft leagues, in one quarterback leagues. It's like there's so many. It's almost like there's just one per team almost. I mean, you don't want to draft Carson Wentz or whatever in football. But, like, you know, you can draft Jared Goff or, or whoever. I mean, like, there's there's all sorts of guys who you could, who could be your starting quarterback, and I feel the same way about shortstop. Yep, yep. 
Okay, so let's say in the first three rounds of a draft, we get the guys we want at shallower positions, at first base, at second, at uh, third base, and we don't take a shortstop. Who yep. is in your next tier beyond the, the top six at shortstop? How big is that tier uh, for you? Okay, I've got another tier here of three guys, and um, I'm going to guess your order is going to be a little bit different because I know you're not a big Corey Seager fan, but I've got uh, I've got Corey Seager, Dansby Swanson, and O'Neal Cruz at 7, 8, 9 for me, and I, I kind of just have them all together. Uh, honestly, I like all of them for different reasons, and um, yeah, we can talk about them individually, but curious what your next tier is first. Okay, well, once again, I, I have a much bigger tier than you. <laughs> um, I, I do have all those guys uh, in the tier, but they're not uh, at the top of the tier for me. Um, I, I have it Tim Anderson at 7, oh. Corey Seager at 8, uh, Andres Jimenez at 9, Dansby Swanson at 10, Xander Bogarts at 11, and O'Neill Cruz at 12. Wow, okay. So why don't we start with um, the guys that you mentioned. Um, so we'll, we'll start with Seager. Sure. You have them at seven. I have them at eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, like, this is very, like, format dependent, I think, because Seeger is definitely a better player in points leagues. So um, I would have him higher in that format. Um, but, you know, our rankings are more geared towards Roto Categories leagues. And, you know, he's just not going to provide the stolen bases. So I think that that yep. limits his upside. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of expectation that his, his batting average is going to come back up this season. And I get it. I, I shared that expectation. Um, last year, he only had 245. He's a 287 career hitter. And, uh, you know, the, um, the, the, the removal of the shift could also help him a lot, yep. I think. Uh, so I, I can totally see him hitting 300 this year, or at least, uh, hitting 280, something like that. But the 33 home runs last year, that was a career high. So I don't think we can just take for granted that he's going to repeat that, you know? So, like, you look at the projections, they have him at, like, you know, 270 to 280 batting average and around 25 to 28 home runs, um, which are good numbers. But how different is that really than, like, Carlos Correa or something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, Carlos Correa is a, is a good four-category player as well. I mean, you're right, like... I feel like with all these shortstops, you can say like, well, you can get so-and-so five rounds later and they're pretty similar. I mean, that's kind of how shortstop is. But, you know, I, I do think like when you look at like the 33 home runs, it was a career high. But like, you know, he hit 16 the year before and that was only in 90, 95 games. He had the hand injury that kept him out like almost half the season. So like he's shown power. Uh, he's shown average. Like you said, I think he could also get back up to the 280, 290 range, maybe even 300. He's done it before. So, Yeah. The stolen bases aren't there, but I think everything else is. So I like Corey Seager. I think he has been sort of snake bit by or the injury bug or whatever you want to say with the injuries. And if he could stay healthy for a full season, like he could be re really great. I think he could be even a value here sort of in the middle rounds. But um, yeah, that's why I like Corey Seager. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about like uh, the Texas lineup at this point? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, well, we talked about uh, Young, you know, in, as third base, like, sort of getting his his chance. Um, I know we haven't gotten to outfielder yet, but they've got uh, Garcia, and, I mean, we talked about Simeon. Like, they've got an okay lineup. It's not, it's not like, they're not world beaters. Uh, it's kind of top-heavy, and he's in right in the heart of it. So, 
it'd be, I mean, some of these shortstops we're going to talk about might bet at the bottom of the order as we start getting toward, you know, the end here. Like, these are guys who are, like, going to bet third or fourth in the lineup. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll be, I think he'll be fine in the running RBI categories. I just don't think he's going to be, like, popping off for over 100 or in either category, you know? Um, so, yeah. I don't know. He just, in, from a Roto category format perspective, he's just, uh, I find him often to be just a tad overrated. Um, maybe that won't be the case this year because he's coming off that 245 batting average. But even so, he's still going uh, as the 51st player off the board, uh, which is uh, the next highest shortstop after the big six that we mentioned before. So uh, I personally like Tim Anderson more, who's going way later. And I think his his ADP is going to rise um, as long as he's healthy. Um you know, last yeah. year, a groin injury, um, I think, sapped his power. Uh, and then he had a finger injury that cut his season short in August. But uh, he still hit over 300 once again, which he's done before. And he was on pace to put up pretty good numbers in runs and stolen bases as well. Uh, you know, he was a top 50 overall player as recently as 2021. Um, so I don't, you know... I don't really see much reason to think he can't bounce back himself. Um, he's still only 29, so it's not like he's old, you know. Um, yeah. So I don't know, and I think uh, you know, we. I feel like last year on the show we were expecting all season the White Sox to click and be an offensive oh. powerhouse, and it didn't happen. But uh, it's a new season, baby. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm buying back in, and uh, I just. I I think that uh, Tim Anderson. He's a player that like you know, has just been good year after year. And it's like, he's such a good batting average guy that he doesn't yeah. really have to put up huge um, numbers in the other categories to be a really good fantasy option. I mean, like 15 homers, 15 steals. Uh, and that's kind of on the low end, I think um, is more than enough really. Yeah. And then, right. And then batting 300, like you said. So yeah, he's, um, he's batted 300 four years in a row. It looks like. Yeah. Is that right? Man. Yes. Yeah. And he's had yeah. years where he hit 335 and 322. So, yeah. I mean, he's like a batting title candidate, you know? I've got him. So, I ha- I have another tier coming up with some more guys in it, including Tim Anderson. He's at 12 for me. Uh, so, like, I, he's not that much further down for me. I just really like this tier. I like these guys in the tier with Seeger for me, Swanson, who it sounded like he was coming up here pretty soon for you as well. And then O'Neill Cruz. You had O'Neill Cruz a bit lower, but. Again, I mean, I, I understand why. I mean, I have him higher just because, like, the potential. I mean, the potential's there. With Dansby Swanson, I'd probably have Dansby Swanson, uh, you know, one or two spots higher even if he was still in Atlanta. So the move to Chicago, you know, we're talking about lineup. You're asking me about Texas. I mean, Chicago, I don't know about that lineup. And, uh, you know, there could be a little bit of adjustment. Um, but, he, you know, he's coming off, like, career highs and pretty much everything. So, you're, you're kind of paying for that production, assuming he's going to continue to be just great in all these categories. And I think, you know, we could see a little regression in a different lineup, totally different clubhouse, all that. So, but again, still trust the talent. I mean, I, I wasn't really on board with Dansby Swanson until last year. I was, I was a little bit late on him. So um, I trust him uh, here in the middle, uh, middle rounds as my starting shortstop for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I had him last year and he was great, you know, but um I do sort of feel like it was kind of a classic walk year, <laughs> career year kind of yeah. season, you know. Um, so I I feel like he's just bound to come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, I still think he's going to be a good player. Um, I just, 
I don't know if he's going to repeat um, the stolen bases. He also sort of like uh, he did a lot of. I'd have to I have to look at the splits again, but I think he did a lot of his damage early in the season and then just kind of coasted off of that a little bit. Like he didn't fall he didn't fall off a cliff <laughs> the rest of the way, but like he wasn't as big a difference maker in the second half of the season. So um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he, he betted. He batted 294 in the first half, 254 in the second half. Uh, I'm looking at his home runs, 15 in the first half, 10 in the second half. So, yeah, definitely some some serious splits there. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of feel like he had a hot three months that kind of – that might have been the difference between his <laughs> 2022 season and what he's done other years, which, you know, coming into last season, I felt like he was underrated. I felt like he was a little bit of a sneaky value. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at what he did in, in 2021, he had 248, 27 homers, nine steals, 88 RBIs. Like, that'll play. You know, that's, like, not yeah. bad production at all. I just – it's it's a it's a far cry from what he did last year. So, uh, I'm definitely not going to be paying um, for the career year for Dansby Swanson. I, I, I'm not sure you have to, though. That's the good news. I mean, uh, he's at pick 75 right now yep. in ADP, which feels – I don't know. I just – I look at it as, like um, – I have there's two guys I have ranked ahead of him uh, that are going later, and that's Anderson who we talked about, and also Andres Jimenez. Um, so uh, you know, I feel like I don't mind Swanson there, but I just uh, I, I think there might be better values, and it's it's one more uh, situation where I might just be happy to to wait for the value to come to me at shortstop. Yeah, and like Jimenez, we talked about in second base. Obviously, he's he's eligible there. Um, so you can go listen to that to you know hear what we think about him. I know you like him. You liked him a lot last year. You were very right about Jimenez, and he's yeah, he's a solid player. I'm curious. So you have Xander Bogarts in this tier, and I'm I'm cur- he's the start of my next tier, but I sort of just broke it off there because like he's he's been super consistent, right? Like I was looking at it like in 2021, uh, he finished outside of the top six shortstops for the first time since 2014, but he was still top ten. He was top ten last year, so he's been very consistent. But, like, I don't see him, you know, stealing a ton of bases. Uh, it's been a long time since he stole, like, 15, like he did in 2017. So, I also think going from Boston to San Diego, he could have a little bit of little bit of power decrease. But, I mean, the, that's a great lineup, too. So, the run production could still be there. I'm not, I'll have to look at roster resource to see where he's projected to hit in the order. But I assume he'll be up in the top, like, batting second or something, right? Um, so, like, he's a, he's a solid player. He's consistent. But I just think, like... There's some like I ranked O'Neill Cruz ahead of him because I just like am excited to draft O'Neill Cruz even though he's got the thirty five percent strikeout rate and I think he batted two thirty three last year. There's just a lot to like with the power and speed. What could be with O'Neill Cruz? Yeah, I mean those two guys are really complete opposites as players right now. I mean like they are Xander Bogarts is like the definition of like the unsexy uh, veteran player. Um, he is roster resource hasn't projected hit leadoff, so okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, that San Diego offense is going to be awfully good. They're going to score a lot of runs, so um, I, you know, I, uh, I like the situation for him. I mean, O'Neill Cruz, I'll just compare them in all the ways they're different. I mean, like oh no, <laughs> O'Neill Cruz is going to be in a much worse lineup, you know. So like the oh, yeah. running RBI totals for him are not going to be nearly as good as they are for Xander Bogarts, I think. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of like approach at the plate, I mean, you know, Xander Bogarts is just a really polished hitter. Um, you know, he's, he's very consistent. He's hit, 
at least 295 four years in a row. Uh, he's never hit lower than 273 since 2014. So, I, you know, he's just a, he's a very consistent hitter. Uh, I feel like he's the kind of guy that's a little underrated just because he doesn't uh, – Outside of 2019, which, again, was a year where a lot of guys put up career home run numbers, like he had mm-hmm. 33 that year. Like, that was an outlier, but uh, he has 23 homers two different seasons, 21 homers another season. Uh, so I think that 15 he hit last year is probably going to come up into the 20 range at least, um, like it usually is. I mean, he's still only 30 years old, so like I, I don't see why he would have this massive power decline. So I expect that to come up to 20 at least. Uh, batting average should still be really solid run production numbers. Like I said, going to be really solid and the steals. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't had double digits since 2017, but he's, he's tends to steal eight, which is a pretty good yeah. number. You know, I'll take eight steals. That's, that's not nothing. So, um, I just, uh, you know, for me, the one pause with, with him is just moving from, uh, from Boston to, uh, San Diego because his home road splits were pretty significant. Uh, with the Red Sox. I mean, he was much better at Fenway. Mm-hmm. Um, I often find, though, that that kind of thing is uh, less park-dependent and maybe just player-dependent. Like, some players are just more comfortable when they're sleeping in their own bed. They have their sure. family with them. Like, <laughs> you know, they're just they're, – they're, they're in their comfort zone, you know? And, uh, and Petco is no longer this massive pitcher's park either. So I don't think that's a, a real concern. Um, so I just – I like Bogarts. I feel like he's, like – he's the kind of guy that, like, is people are just kind of – tired of i think like i'm surprised his adp is as high as it is at 71 like i could see it drop uh below o'neill cruz soon um and i and i would take him above him so with cruz it's yeah i mean that you mentioned the strikeout rate like that just frightens me 34.9 percent <laughs> strikeout rate last year that's extremely high um you know the pirates don't have any reason to send him back down to the minors at this point i guess that's the good news so he can yeah. have a trial by fire um <laughs> but like I could see him being a major, major batting average liability this season and with with very, very poor run production numbers. I mean, like, Pittsburgh's not going to score a ton of runs, and then if you're striking out 35% of the time, like, you're not going to score a ton of runs either. So uh, I could just see that being a real issue for him. I mean, even if he went 20-20 or something like that, I still think he could be a little disappointing for fantasy. So I get the upside. Like it's, he's a much more exciting player to draft than Xander Bogarts. But if you're asking me who I think is going to be better this year, I think it's Bogarts. Yeah. But I I think, I think Cruz will go 2020, you know, and like there's, I think there's more for power there. I think he's like a, he's a worse version as far as if you're looking for upside, like Bobby Witt Jr. also could be a little bit of a batting average liability, not nearly as bad. Um, and then O'Neill Cruz is like, if you want to take a shot on someone late, you know, a little bit later and get some, some upside, but Bogarts is like, yeah, completely steady, safe. I mean, he did play 10 years in Boston and now he's off to a new place. So like, there's a little bit of, there's a little variable there, but I don't really see it as, I mean, he's switching leagues, all that stuff, but like, he's such a good player. He's so talented. I don't really see it as much of like a big issue. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll finish as a top 12 shortstop. And I think O'Neill Cruz could finish top five or you know, outside of the top 20. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the range of possibilities with, with Cruz is really, really massive. Um, I sort of right now, I don't know. I, he sort of reminds me of like an early career hobby bias a little bit. Oh yeah. So, which isn't rate. like, that's no insult, <laughs> you know, but that's not quite Fernando Tatis jr. Or something like that, you know? 
Yeah, Javi yeah. Baez came around at the end of the year last year too. We'll talk about him in a little bit. I think. He oh, finished. I think he's a. I think he's a great <laughs> sleeper this year. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so okay, so I have. I think I've talked about then all the guys in this year. We didn't really talk about Jimenez, but as you said, yeah. uh, on the second base pod, you can hear more about him. I'm glad to know I'm still above consensus on him <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I, I, he's my guy. So um, he is. You know, it seems like people are not fully buying what he did last year, uh, which means I think he could be a decent value again. Yep. Okay. Well, I can give you the rest. You may give you the rest of my tier here that I have after. Uh, so I have that tier of Seeger, Swanson, Cruz. Mm-hmm. Then I have a tier that has Bogarts, Wander Franco, Tim Anderson, Willie Adamas, and Andres Jimenez. So that's my hmm. 10 through 14. So any of those names stick out to you? Like, do you have. Wander Franco way lower or Adonis. I didn't hear you mention those guys. So just curious if they're in your next tier or like if you really hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> they are both in my next tier, but Adonis is at the top of that tier and Franco is at the bottom of that tier. So yeah, um, I do have Franco significantly lower than you, it sounds like. I have him at 19. Yeah, I just, you know, it's we, we talked about him last year. He had like a hot start and then he just, you know, he got he fell off. I think he got hurt. I mean, this guy... I think so. We're recording on the 28th. I think his birthday is tomorrow. Um, so he's turning 22. <laughs> you know, like he's, I think he'll bat around 300 for like the next 10 years in Tampa. You know, it's hard to project him for, for more than like, I don't know, 12 home runs. Uh, even 15 is like a stretch. Uh, I think he could steal, you know, 10, 15 bags though. And like, I don't know. I just think he will be solid. He'll be able to carry your average. He's a special player who, I don't know. Maybe he could surprise us uh, with the power. Like he's a really good hitter. He's got all these tools, and I just think like I don't think I would let him fall out of like the top twelve for me. Just and maybe I'm drafting the name. Maybe I'm just like looking at not looking at the numbers, and maybe I'm going to get like a Jeff McNeil, a young Jeff McNeil uh, with a little more upside. But that's I don't know. Like that's okay. I think he's I think he'll produce. I just don't think he's a five category guy. Like he's not a he's not a high end five category guy. But I don't think any of these guys are at this point. Yeah, I kind of feel like his upside for this season is like Bogarts, you know? I mean, like, that's like his upside. So, I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I don't really see it. I Like, this, it's totally different if you're in a keeper situation. I mean, like you said, he's just entering his age 22 season. So, uh, he's got plenty of time to develop more power. Uh, maybe he decides to run more at some point. But, um, you know, I don't... Everyone talks about him like he's going to hit 340 or something. I don't know that that's the case. I mean, last year he hit 277. Uh, yeah. You know, so like that's not a number that's, you know, his in 2021 he hit 288. I mean, these are good numbers, especially for a young player, like a player as young as him, but they're not batting title numbers, you know? So like I don't know if that batting average is going to be high enough to really make up for the fact that he's not going to reach 20 homers or 20 steals you know I, I just i think it's unlikely he reaches either of those numbers um, well you, you mentioned bogarts i have him right in between bogarts and tim anderson and so like i just i kind of see these guys as somewhat similar players that can that are just really good hitters um they aren't going to hit like a ton of like they aren't going to like take your categories you know off the charts but like they are going to get they are going to produce in pretty much every single every single one yeah, but you know, we were just mentioning like both Bogarts and Tim Anderson have basically hit 300 four years in a row. I mean, like that we have not seen that from Wander Franco. Like they both are guys who, like I mean, Anderson is 
pretty much a like going to steal 15 to 20 bases and he could steal more than that but like I think 15 to 20 is a pretty good estimation he's gonna hit 15 to 20 home runs uh you know Bogarts is gonna hit at least 20 like I said and uh and uh steal like you know eight bags or something so I don't know I the the steals with Bogarts are probably similar but the batting average isn't as isn't as locked in the power is not definitely not as locked in so and the okay. lineup also you know so i don't know <laughs> I, I i'm gonna be down on on wander franco again this season it's the keeper league it's a totally different scenario but um i would take him like if he fell a long way but i just he's not the kind of player that's going to he won't I, but you okay I'll, I'll put tim anderson above wander franco but you know again we're talking about bogart's anderson franco sort of in the same breath that's why they're in the same tier at least for me so um, yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll adjust and put him in that order for me. I got Anderson at seven and Franco at 19, so I'm going to have to disagree <laughs> there. <laughs> we will. <laughs> well, what about Willie Adamas? Because, you know, I have him at 13. Sounds like you have him in a similar area at least. Um, yeah, I have him at 13. Yeah, cool. And, I mean, I was just looking at his underlying numbers. He's increased his launch angle and hard hit rate, rate year after year in the majors. You know, he's in that prime of his career. I believe he's age 27. I'll have to go back and look. Um, you know, he's, he plays half his games in a good ballpark. He's hit at least 25 homers back to back season. Again, he's like, a he's not a zero at stolen bases, but like kind of like Bogarts, he might steal five to eight or something. So I just, I think like no one is talking about this guy. I mean, I'm sure people in fantasy baseball circles like us are talking about him, but I just don't see him like on any, on any like sleeper lists or any, like maybe he's just not a sleeper anymore. He doesn't even categorize as that, but like, this is a guy who could just finish as like a top five shortstop. And I just don't think anyone is drafting him anywhere. Like, where's his ADP? 96. He's the number 16 shortstop, like, after Gunnar Henderson, who has proven nothing. So, I mean, I, li- I like the prospect, Gunnar Henderson, but, like, I'm taking Willie Adonis ahead of him. Not, like, 99 times out of 100, I think. Yeah, yeah. I um, I do have those guys pretty closely ranked. I have Henderson at 15, so... um. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. The guy that keeps coming to mind for me is like, uh, who was it we were talking about? Uh, like Ryan McMahon or something. Like he's kind of like a little better version of that. But, um, you know, it's a batting average that's not, yeah, he'll probably hit around 250 maybe. Um, yeah. But the power is the thing. Like he's got a chance. He had 31 homers last year. It wouldn't surprise me to see him do that again sure. with the sneaky steals. And then um, the aspect of it that I think, really helps also is like you said that ballpark um and then just being in that in that milwaukee offense like um i think that that could be uh could be good in terms of uh the run production numbers because like those were a big part of his value last year he had 98 rbis last season so uh, that that helped make up for the 238 batting average um so yeah i mean i think he's just he's one of those guys that's like it doesn't you know, there, there's not. I, I don't know if I would say he has top five upside. I don't like. I don't think he does. But I think he could easily piece together a season that's very similar to last season when he was like a top ten guy. You know, I think that's right. definitely possible. Yeah, I, I guess top five is tough to say. I mean, we, we should do a bold predictions episode. Um, but you're right. Like we just got done talking about like so many good shortstops. It's hard to. It's gonna be hard to break into that top five for sure. Exactly. Yeah, top ten, sure. Yeah. So, so my tier here goes from 13 to 19, and it's uh, it's Adamus at 13, Tommy Edmond, who we talked about in the second base pod, at 14, 
Uh, Gunnar Henderson at 15. Jeremy Pena at 16. Hmm. Javier Baez, who we briefly mentioned, at 17. Carlos Correa at 18. And Wander Franco at 19. Uh, okay. So I feel like this tier, you know, I know I was bashing Franco, but <laughs> really this tier shows the depth of the position in a major way. I mean, we're now, again, heading towards the 20th shortstop, at least in Yahoo eligibility. And we still have some really big names here. I mean, like Carlos Correa stands out just as a guy who has been a top 12 shortstop um, in performance, but also just in perception many times over his career and uh, hasn't really uh, fallen off in any major way. I mean, he's... He's just uh, health is an issue with him, but and yep. he doesn't steal bases. But we know he's a really good hitter when he's healthy. Um, and uh, Edmund, you know, we mentioned on the second base pod, like neither of us are huge Tommy Edmund cheerleaders, but like no. again, two years in a row of really good numbers, and he is going to give you those steals, you know. So um, I think he's a very safe pick um, if you don't prioritize shortstop early. Um, so I have those guys right about the same area. Just real quick. I put Gunnar Henderson and Carlos Correa in a tier together mm -hmm. at 15 and 16 for me. And it's like you said, the health, I mean, Gunnar Henderson obviously is a prospect, so he has some question marks around him, but Correa. Yeah. Great four category zero. I mean, literally zero steals each of the last three seasons and one steal the, the year before that. So you're not getting steals, but just like the way his off season went with, what was it? The giants and then the Mets. You know, there's some failed medicals, you know, concerns going on with his ankles. So, like, that concerns me just from a standpoint of, like, how many games is he going to play? Um, now, there's so many good shortstops that, like, maybe he plays 110 games and it's fine. Like, he's elite. Uh, so, um, you, you can get, maybe you can get away with that. But, yeah, that's why I kind of put him in that, a tier with Gunnar Henderson because I just see them both with sort of, like, some big question marks for different reasons. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, like, I, I only, I do only have Correa at 18, so... Um, you know, uh, I, I'm not like eager to draft him, but I feel like it's, it just, again, shows the depth of the position more than anything. Henderson, I, I mean, to me, the obvious comparable is, is Franco. Like, I mean, how confident are you that Franco is going to be more valuable this season than Henderson? I mean, I think Henderson yeah. has more upside in terms of both power and steals. So, uh, and he did show some nice batting average skills himself in the minor leagues, um, you know, I don't think he's – I'm not saying he's likely to hit for as high an average as Franco because he does have a lot more swing and miss in his game than Franco does. But he doesn't need to hit as high an average as Franco if he's going to, you know, hit 20 home runs and steal 15 bases, you know? Yeah. I think uh, Jeremy Pena on your list, like he, he, like, he just shows the depth of the position. Like, he's 20th for me. I think he's, what, 16th or 17th for you, somewhere in there? Uh, 16th, yep. Yeah. I mean, like – we're in the same ballpark, same tier, and like he had a great rookie season, uh, 22 home runs, 11 stolen bases. I believe he was top 12 at the position. I was looking at fantasy data earlier, and um, you know, yep, he was. He could have a sophomore slump. That's very narrative street. Uh, he's in a great lineup, so like he could be a top. He could be a top 12 shortstop again, and you're getting him really late. The the name that it doesn't surprise me because I know you're a Javi Baez guy, but like I have him down at 24. I, I'm. I'm not going to, I'm not buying the sort of the second half. And he has, I mean, the strikeout rate has improved a little bit, but it's still, I, he just worries me. He's getting up there in age and that Detroit lineup, I don't know if that's getting any better. Um, maybe Torkelson is good, you know, this year. 
maybe Austin Meadows uh, gets back and is healthy. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really trust the Tiger lineup, and I, I don't. Maybe sell sell me on Javi Bias. Well, I mean, I think the way to sell you on him is just to point out like <laughs> he's been a really good fantasy player uh, every year until last season. You know, <laughs> like, and even last season, I mean, it wasn't like completely disastrous. He had 17 homers, stole nine bases. 238 average is not what you're looking for, but it's not like it wasn't completely killer. You know, it's the same batting average as Willie Adamas. So, yeah. Uh, the year before that, he hit 31 homers and stole 18 bases, 80 plus runs, 80 plus RBIs. Uh, it's not like the Cubs were this like offensive powerhouse. You know, I don't think going from the Cubs to the Tigers was some huge downgrade in supporting cast or ballpark. So, um, I just don't, I just don't see a reason why, like I, I love buying guys off down years, you know, like I think that that's a great strategy. Uh, if there's not much reason to believe that they're a, a fundamentally different player. And honestly, like, you know, he's 30 years old. He actually had the lowest strikeout rate of his career last year, other than 2016, um, 24.9% K rate last year. That's after two straight years where he was over 30%. So like, yeah. that's promising. I think, you know, I like, Guys have down years. Like, we, we always think this stuff's going to be linear, and it's just not. Like, guys don't – it's not a bell curve. Like, the, the the career of a player is not a bell curve, you know. And uh, I I just think he's still a very talented player. He's always been a very gifted player. He's only 30. I don't – I just don't see a reason why he, his career would just fall off a cliff at this stage. Like, so I'm expecting a, a, at least modest bounce back and potentially a big bounce back. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, again, it's the position's deep. Like, I have him at 24. I wouldn't necessarily want him as my starting shortstop, personally. But, like, you know, if you draft Fernando Tatis, you can draft Javi Baez and, you know, see how the first month goes. Like, he had a pretty good uh, March, April last year. He batted 295, and then in May he batted 159. And maybe I'm just remem- remembering, like, the really bad slumps. Because then he, you know, he, he, he did salvage his season at the end of the year. He hit six home runs, like, the last month of the year and, you know, almost batted 300. So... It was just maybe, you know, a little bit of a tale of two seasons. He definitely had a much better second half and had that really bad May. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. What do you, what kind of odds do you think I could get betting that Javier Baez has a better fantasy year than Wander Franco? Oh, with me? <laughs> with anyone. How about <laughs> Oh, man. I bet. I mean, with it, like, I think most people would give you, like, well, I guess, what was Javier Baez last year? He was probably top 15. You know, he he's like he had it like you said he had a down year, but like in the end, if you're looking at like in points leagues, even even Roto, um, he was probably like, he was like uh, yeah the seventeenth best shortstop yeah. in five by five. So, but I think most people would say, oh yeah, Juan Franco, they'd give you five to one odds, ten to one odds. You exactly, know? <laughs> I, I should take <laughs> so, that money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I feel like I have him ranked two spots ahead of Franco, and I feel pretty confident in that, honestly. Um, yeah. Pena, you mentioned, uh, you know, he's another guy uh, who sort of like what we were talking about with Dansby Swanson, like got off to a really strong start. And then uh, he didn't fall off a cliff or anything like that, but he didn't he wasn't quite as good in the second half. So that's a little bit of a concern just because we don't have a huge track record to go on. But um, but I mean, he was very good in the minors uh, in in very limited action in 2021. Um 
like you said, that lineup is going to do a lot of the work for him. You know, it's yeah. like he's going to have good run production numbers. And I feel like the the homers and steals, I, I feel pretty safe he's going to come close to what he did last year, a 2010 kind of numbers, you know. So sure. uh, 250, 20 homers, 10 steals with good run production numbers is uh, sneaky valuable. Like to me, that's very, very similar to um, what, what you would get out of Willie Adamas. Well, a couple other guys I have in my top 20. I'll mention I didn't hear you uh, rattle these names off. Uh, Nick Herner and Ahmed Rosario. And uh, I think these guys both have like just enough speed and power to make them like a startable fantasy shortstop. Now, Rosario, you might play at outfield. He's outfield eligible. Uh, Nico Herner is going to be second base uh, eligible very soon with Swanson coming to Chicago. So I think that makes him a little more interesting. Uh, we didn't really... We didn't really talk about him in second base because he's not second base eligible. But like, you know, he's a former first round pick. Uh, he he could bat three hundred. Uh, he's just got can hit for the high average. You know, hit ten home runs, maybe steal twenty bases. I mean, that's basically like what Ahmed Rosario did last year too. So like, these guys aren't putting up like super high numbers. Rosario's batted two eighty two, two eighty three the last two seasons. So like, they're not like they're not giving you like thirty home runs. Uh, they're not giving you 30 stolen bases, but they're giving you a little bit of each, and they're giving you a high average. So they're not like flashy or sexy, but like they're they're in this tier for me. I think they'll finish in the top 20 as long as they you know stay healthy and play every day. Hmm. Well, you know that's it's kind of interesting. Like we're we're exactly on the same wavelength in in comparing those two players to each other. I'm I'm just different than you in how I rank them because. Uh, I have like I actually have a note for Nico Horner that says he's profiles as a poor man's Ahmed Rosario. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But like the thing is, I have Rosario ranked as, at twentieth, so just he's at the top of my next tier. Okay. Uh, and but but Horner I have down at thirty one. So hmm. uh, I do think there's a little bit of a uh, difference between them. Like the the home runs and, and steals could be similar, um, but like. I don't know. I, I sort of feel like Rosario is uh, a little more proven um, in terms of doing that, and he's a little more proven in terms of being the batting average as well. I mean, Horner last year was really his first extended season of, of playing time. And then the run production numbers too. I mean, like Ahmed Rosario scored 86 runs, drove in 71 last year. Nico Horner scored 60 runs, drove in 55. And uh, – Granted, you know, Rosario played 18 more games, but that doesn't that doesn't fully account for that discrepancy. So um, I don't know. I I feel like the I feel like Horner last year might have been kind of the you know best case scenario for him. And whereas with Rosario, I feel like it's just kind of run of the mill of what he does year in and year out. Well, I don't know. I, I'm gonna I'll I'll, dis, I'll disagree with you on this. And I, and I think Horner's a guy that like maybe you catch on the upswing like with the draft pedigree with what he did do last year i think i, I see improvement i mean you get you have to look at both sides right you have to see glass half empty as well but yeah i just i see that this, that he could be a really good sleeper and again like consider that second base eligibility i was just peeking back at my second base rankings and looking at like guys who i had like i had like gene segura as my number 18 second baseman guy like ryan mcmahon uh you know we're getting down into some, to some names of like the number 20th second baseman whereas the number 20 the shortstop like these guys are just better uh you know more valuable but like with with nico being able to play second base i think that just bumps them up a little bit for me too 
Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I guess I wasn't really taking that into account. I just have him ranked as a shortstop. But, you know, once he gets that second base eligibility, that does make him more appealing. I just I still don't really feel like he's a guy I would ever want to have in my starting lineup in a 10 or 12 team uh, league. So that maybe maybe he'll prove me wrong, but that's kind of where I'm at with him. I uh, I need to see him do that again uh, and maybe a little better than that before I would actually want to play him. Um, well, anyone else in that tier we didn't mention of yours there? Yeah, so my tier, uh, I have a tier four from 20 to 23. It's Rosario, Glaber Torres, Jorge mm-hmm. Polanco, and Tyro Estrada. And I, I feel like these guys are all just really solid. Like, they're not they're not exciting, but they're, they're solid. And we talked about um, Torres, Polanco, and Estrada, all three of those guys, on the uh, second base pod. So we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Um, they all have... You know, certain question marks. Torres just the, uh, <laughs> you know, last year he finally had a bounce back after he had he kind of um, really declined from his career year in 2019. Polanco had the injuries um, last season with the knee that really led to a down year. Estrada last year was the first year he had he had done anything. He kind of came out of nowhere. So. Um, they all have a little bit of a question mark associated with them, but I feel pretty good that they'll all be solid producers. Well, I think so. I'm looking at Yahoo right now. You're gonna have to check. Yeah, Jorge Jorge Polanco and Glaber Torres both are listed as second base only. Oh, are they? Yeah. Whoops. And so, and you, I because as you're talking about Torres, I'm like I'm thinking about the Yankees. You know how they have as uh, it Peraza and uh, Volpe both like they've got shortstops, uh, and I don't even know who's gonna be the shortstop, but I think Glaber's gonna be second base. So I don't think he'll have shortstop eligibility and then Polanco, you know, with Correa and they've got, you know, I guess, was it Royce Lewis? If he gets healthy, I mean, if even if Correa isn't, I, I think, I think Polanco probably will just be second base as well. I mean, he could gain eligibility, but I think before we do our overalls, you're going to have to <laughs> adjust those guys to two B only. Okay. I took them out. So now it's a tier of two. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, uh, you know, I, I thought I had, uh, cross-checked everything, but yeah, I was working off of the last year's spreadsheet and updating yeah. it to this year, so it must have fallen through the cracks. <laughs> but I have I have Tyro Estrada right there, you know, kind of in that same group. I mean, I would have those other guys right in that same area, you know. I even have a you know Jake Cronenworth, you know, we talked about him in I guess second base, even first base, uh, like as someone. Basically, what I'll say here, like I mentioned Hassan Kim, uh, I'll mention Bryson Stott here, who's gonna who's second base eligible as well. Like I want to get someone late here in the twenties who has this multi-position eligibility. And, like, I keep coming back to Hassan Kim just because, like, he's going to get – he'll be second, third, and short. And I just – I kind of like having a, a tool like that who I can move around, uh, whether it's plugging in for Fernando Tatis in the beginning or just, like, someone gets hurt in spring training. I like having a middle in, uh, you know, middle infielder or corner infielder, whatever, just mm-hmm. an infielder who can play pretty much all the positions. And Cronenworth's a good guy too. Yeah. Well, I guess once you take those other two – like, once you take Torres and Polanco out – I, I sort of the way I did it was I had a tier of those guys with Rosario and Estrada, and then I had a young player tier, and then I had the, a tier of Hassan Kim, Brendan Rogers, Cronenworth, and Nico Horner. So mm-hmm. I could see you putting all those guys together. I just like Rosario and Estrada significantly more than I like um, Kim, Rogers, Cronenworth, and Horner. Um, but you know, I, I I could I could see it. I mean, it's it's not like this massive difference, and I have a tier in between them that is like the exciting upside potential 
players. Uh, you know, um, CJ Abrams. <laughs> CJ, yeah, it's uh, Ezekiel uh, Tovar. Tovar, CJ, yeah. CJ Abrams, Adalberto Mondesi, and Jorge Mateo. Oh yeah. Um, now I know Mondesi and Mateo are different than Tovar and Abrams. Like they're they're flawed players, um, but they're huge stolen base potential guys. So and they, ha- yeah. they can hit for some power too. So uh, in a roto league, those guys have a lot of uh, upside. Um, we talked about Abrams on the second base show. I, I mean, I think he's definitely a break a great breakout candidate uh, at 22 years old. Um, you know, it's it's all projection at this point, but um, it's certainly he's going to get every chance uh, with Washington uh, this season. And then Tovar, I mean, this guy bludgeoned minor league pitching last year. He hit 318 with 13 homers and 17 steals in 66 games at Double A, um, and he just didn't have enough time to make a dent in the major leagues last year. But I think he's another really intriguing uh, breakout candidate. Yeah. And going back to Montessi, you know, for if people don't know, like he he came over, he's he's in Boston now. Um, I think he's still hurt, <laughs> even as we're talking. I think he's dinged up. Yeah, but, but I um, think I think they're. It sounds like he's likely to not miss. I mean, he might not be ready at the start of the season, but I don't know. It sounds like he. They sound they've sounded pretty optimistic that he's not going to miss um, that much of the the beginning of the year. Yeah, but I, th- I think the interesting thing about Montesi is now his price tag is to the point where it makes a whole lot of sense to take the shot on him, right? Because like he, we were, I mean, I don't know, I, I won't say we. I'll say I was ranking him as like a top twelve or fifteen shortstop before the season started last year. Year before that, it probably would have been like top five. You know, there's always this potential and what we saw him, what he could do. I mean, he could carry your whole team for. Uh, steals and I'm looking at DraftKings right now stolen base leader regular season leaders there's Adalberto Montesi right at the top six to one odds with Ronald Acuna so he's they're looking at Montesi as the odds on favorite to lead the league in stolen bases now I think that's crazy because I think he'll probably only play like 100 games um, but maybe he could and still (laughs) lead the league in stolen bases I don't know I wouldn't I'm not going to bet on him I'm going to bet on some guys a little bit further down Uh, I just I can't bet on the health with Montesi well, but how much of a bet do you really have to make? I mean, that's the thing. Like, what you know, his his ADP is two thirty five. So, right, like, this is the year. To, this is the year to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely take a shot on him in a in a roto league, not not in a points league. Um, yeah. But like, it's yeah. I mean, I don't know. The most likely outcome is like he he's like Jonathan VR, but not able to stay healthy. Like that's probably the career yeah. path he'll end up having when all is said and done, but you never know. I mean, and there were times where Jonathan VR was like really, really valuable too, you know, mm-hmm. Adalberto Mondesi that year, he like broke out with Kansas city. He won me a fantasy championship. I mean, like this is a, the kind of player that can almost single-handedly do that for you. So, you know, I, I think, it, I think the, uh, the upside is well worth the risk uh, given his ADP. Yeah. I totally agree. And like I said, the fact that he's six to one, he's, you know, six to one to lead the league in stolen bases, like that tells you everything. I mean, you know, the odds, the odds makers are saying he, he can do it. So even if it's half a season, like, you know what you're getting, you're getting stolen bases. And so. he can hit, he, he has some yeah. pop in his bat too. He's not he like does. a zero in the home runs either. Yep. Um, anyone else you want to talk? I mean, we've talked about probably 30 stolen or 30 shortstops down here. Is there anyone else? What did you think about Mateo? Cause you are an Orioles fan. I I know he's like a very flawed player, but he's another guy that has a little bit of pop and a lot of stolen base potential. Yeah. With Mateo. So like, 
So I have him, interestingly enough, I have Mondesi at 28, Mateo at 29, and that's like the start of a tier for me with those two. So I, I do kind of, again, I kind of see them similarly. Um, you know, he's got the stolen base potential. What I worry about a little bit is like they sign Adam Frazier. Um, you know, they've got Gunnar Henderson now. Like they, they still have Urias, uh, Ramon Urias. I'm a little concerned that Mateo, like the, the, you know, the playing time might not be there, that he might not just be an everyday player. So that that's that's the reason I have him this low. If if he didn't have anyone in front of him, even if he's batting ninth uh, and was going to be everyday shortstop, I think I'd have or second baseman. Uh, either way, I, I think I would move him up a little bit further. But I I think he'll probably play some second base, maybe some shortstop. But I don't think he'll be an everyday player. Yeah, probably not. But again, those those guys you mentioned, like Ramon Urias and Adam Frazier, are not major obstacles. You know, <laughs> I mean, right? Sure. Yeah. So I. I I, again, I don't have a ton of faith in him as a player. Like, I think he's better in fantasy than in reality. So that would that would lend credence to your theory that he might not he might be on a short end of a platoon or something like yeah. that. I think that's definitely possible. Um, I just feel like it's it's one of those things where, uh, given that he's basically free in drafts, like it's worth a shot on him just to see what happens at the beginning of the season. Much the same way. It's worth a shot on C.J. Abrams to see if he breaks out. You know, it's the sure. same kind of logic, really. Yeah, and when we were talking, you were talking about Glaber earlier. Like I mentioned, Peraza and Volpe. I have him. I have them down here as well. I think this is like a kind of a spring training camp battle to watch. You know, see where these guys are playing, what where they're batting. You know, are they getting some hits? Because Volpe is a pretty uh, highly rated prospect, and Peraza is a good prospect in his own right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just keep an eye on that position battle. Yeah, I have those guys in a in a lower rookie, uh, lower young player tier, just because I, I kind of feel like the answer might be that they both <laughs> start the season in the minors because they do have Kiner Falefa as well, who's I think yep. a pretty solid player. Like he's actually a better player than any of those Orioles players we were just talking about. So um, I don't know. Peraza is the one I could see more likely to win the job um, than than Volpe, but I you know who knows? I mean they're. They're both like super talents, and yeah. if they're playing, you want them. So, <laughs> at this point, that's that's. I mean, we're talking like thirty deep at shortstop. <laughs> it's crazy. I, mean, I know. Anyone um, else? You? Wanna, I mean, I was going to mention J.P. Crawford, man. Points leagues, everyday shortstop. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm telling you, J.P. Crawford is going to finish as like a top twenty-five, maybe even higher shortstop in points leagues. Yeah. Well, how about Elvis Andrews? He, yeah, and he, he, he was he a be top second base. 13 fantasy shortstop last year. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he like, can play second base. He's a complete afterthought. No one buys that he's going to do it again, but I yeah. mean, he could. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bryson Stott. Uh, you know, he's another young guy yeah. to keep an eye on. Uh, Christopher Morell, I've talked about. Like, I don't know about the playing time, but he, he showed some flashes last year. Uh, John Birdie, again, playing time, but he's another. <laughs> One of those guys that could lead the league in steals if he did get the playing time. So, yeah, there's just and then Luis Urias, who we talked about much higher at at second base and third base than we do at shortstop because it's shortstop. Yeah, but get get one of these guys. I mean, Birdie's outfield eligible. He's also eligible at like three other infield positions. So, I mean, these these are really good guys to get at the end of your draft. Uh, I really like having the multi position flexibility. What do you think about Chris Taylor now that uh, now that yeah. uh, Gavin Lux is out for the season? He could be interesting. I, you know, I didn't have time to really. I mean, I was we were chatting about it before we recorded, so I didn't know. I knew I knew Lux's injury was going to be bad, but I didn't know it was going to be season ending. So yeah, I'll have to adjust my rankings and probably. Although I just Chris looked, Taylor and Chris up. Taylor does not have shortstop eligibility. <laughs> <laughs> He's got second base and outfield. So 
I could oh. see him getting shortstop eligibility. But oh, yeah, me too. But he doesn't have it right now. Okay, I think that's enough shortstops. Let's just say this is a, a good position uh, to yeah. find fantasy value. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yep. Um, well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please do check out all of our position preview podcasts. We'll be doing outfielder next later this week uh, and start, and then we'll move on to the pitchers next week um, as we gear up for fantasy draft season and opening day. It's all coming up. We're you know, now into, into spring training, players are starting to get injured. So, you know, <laughs> we're getting closer to the season. Uh, if you have any uh, questions uh, for draft prep or what else uh, you might have, um, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.